Now, something that we've talked about uh, in the past on talking leadership and subject we're quite interested in. How do you approach those situations, particularly, I think, occurs as one gets more senior, where you find you're leading people who are expert in an area in which you have little or no expertise yourself? Yeah, I mean, that's a really, really good question. Um, I think, firstly, as uh, you know, depending on the nature of the business, um, you know, there, there, there are some limitations uh, to... Um, you know what you can do in certain industries if you really don't have any knowledge of that that industry, um, and so you're going to have to surround yourself by. If you find yourself in a situation where you spent 30 years in retail and now you're, you're running uh, some technology business, then you'd be well advised to get some experts around you that you trust, uh, because you're never going to learn what you need to know in this lifetime. So, uh, but. I mean, firstly, there's no substitute for making the effort to try and learn as much as you can about a subject. So you may not have expertise in a certain certain domain, a certain area. And when I moved from aerospace into the security business, a lot of that industry works on X-ray technology and CT technology and mass spec technology, these are all things that uh, I last really touched in A-level physics probably. Yeah. But you can actually, there's an awful lot of information around there. So you can, you can teach yourself and get abreast of the subject. Um, and you're doing that not so as you look clever in front of people, because uh, that doesn't matter. You're doing it so that you can understand better what they're telling you. So I think that's really important. So I don't have too much time for people who say, I know nothing about this subject. Well, maybe you should try and learn as much as you can about it because it just raises the game of the conversation. And I think after that, you've got to spend more time on the subjects that you, uh, that you don't understand than the ones that you do. And that sounds intuitively obvious, but actually... Uh, I've heard many leaders say, well, I don't understand anything about that, so I'll leave that to the experts. But don't forget that ultimately you're responsible for the business. Mm. So just because you, you don't have a PhD in the rele- relevant science doesn't absolve you of your responsibilities. So the onus is very much on the leader. Uh, and you know, I suppose part of the point of your question is how do you sift through whether people are telling you the, the, the truth or not. I mean, you do have to, you do have to be able to surround yourself with a few people who can, uh, who are on side with with the project, and that all comes down to you know how you develop the objectives within within your team. Yeah, it's partially that, but it's also how do you win the respect of those people so that you in effect get the license to be their leader. I, I can think of a um, w- one example in particular over the past few years. Um, we we were debating whether to spend a large amount of money on developing a new product for a certain market. And whilst I could certainly understand conceptually some of the technology, I don't have the the expertise uh, to make specific technical decisions about that. But the important thing for for that decision-making team was for us to understand the different roles in the room and for me to remind people that what we were there to do was to decide whether to spend around about 15 million euros on developing a new product and spend two years and 
many thousands of hours of engineering on developing that, that product. So, you know, the kind of questions I would ask in that situation would be, you know, do we really think the market's going in this direction? What are the capabilities of this new product that you can't buy today with current technology? What are you as a group of engineers and scientists promising our customers? What do customers want? Do we know what they want? And reminding people that, you know, we were going to make a decision which we would then write up into a proposal and take to our main board for a very large investment in the business. And it's very important, you know, if you're the senior leader in that situation to say, look, if, if, I'm, if I'm convinced that what we want to do here with the business is right as a business decision, then I will take that forward and I will get it approved because that's what I do and you will help me to achieve that, and then you'll get to do what you do in the business. What you have in those situations, or you should make sure you have, is time. Uh, you may not get to the perfect decision the first, in the first review, the second review, the third review. If those, those, those points are really important uh, in, in, a, in a business, those critical decisions are really important, and you should spend as much time on them as you need, to get satisfied with the with the response, so so you know to answer your question, how do how do you gain credibility with people? I mean, this is about recognizing that um, you know the chief executive of the business isn't expected to know everything, but they do have a role to play, which can't be played by all of the people, all of the other people in the room. Okay, so when you did that and you bought basically let's call it business savvy, yeah, did it win the respect of the team? Well, I think it did because ultimately. You know, we were able to, you know, convince ourselves as a team that it was actually imperative that we brought this product to market, uh, that the product was going to, um, you know, significantly improve, as it happened, customers' experience going through airport security, and that's something that many, many of us do quite regularly. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, going to speed up the process and that uh, we were very confident we could market this to our major customers. And did any of the questions that you were asking then cause them to modify yeah, their no, thinking? Ab no, ab absolutely. I mean, um, without going into the technical detail, one of the things that I was very keen to ensure was that we had a product which uh, had much more capability but would slot in into the same sort of physical and technical environment as the current product so mm. could you hook it up to the same electricity and could you hook it up to the same server and get the same kind of data off it and you know these were things that I think mattered to our customers more than they maybe maybe our technical teams just needed a little bit of a push just to didn't think occur to them customer mm. and not just think capability right you know, what does my customer want to be able to do what would cause them to buy this product and not another product? Yeah. And it's not just because it has more technical capability. It's also because there's a massive element of convenience. Yeah. And so, you know, bringing, um, you know, good leaders should always be able to bring customer-based experience to a discussion uh, and, you know, financial savvy and ask questions about risk. And when you say two years, is that really three years? And when you say $20 million, is that really $40 million? And uh, you should be able to break things down and convince yourself that, that you know, what you're being told is, is, is right. Because again, ultimately, you are responsible for it. You can't just say, turn around to a product engineer and say, well, you told me 20 and it ended up being 40. Uh, you, you are 
you're the leader. So however hard it is, you've got to understand it. Did you get any actual feedback, direct feedback from any of those team members about acknowledging your your role and contribution? Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the um, you, you know that 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 team were very pleased with the you know with with the way that project went. Um, I mean, I can't remember exactly you know whether whether it was about the decision-making process or more about the execution of the project. But, you know, I mean, a, a couple of little, little anecdotes there was, uh, one was when we'd finished up with the investment process on that particular product, I, I think I, I added in some more money for some specific things that I asked the team to do. And I said, look, I, I would like to ensure that you have additional uh, contingency uh, in terms of uh, secondary suppliers for some of the key technology. So you're mm. not incumbent to one supplier or totally dependent on one supplier. Mm. So here's another two million euros to go and spend on developing secondary suppliers. And somebody said, you know, no, no manager ever, ever gave us more money for a project. <laughs> mm. always basically was always a game where you would ask for more because you knew you were going to get less. Yeah. But you actually whittled it down and down and down uh, by arguing that certain activities maybe weren't needed, but then added stuff back which was, and then added some more for risk, uh, but gave us an extra task which was a commercial task, and we appreciated that. You know, that was a very logical thing to do. And I think the other thing was that you know, uh, it was one of the biggest projects we'd ever done, and we put the best project management we could in front of it. Some very very capable people. Of course, that always pays huge dividends. Okay. I mean that was a pro that was a project success that that, that went well.